Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Last week, Pastor Pat introduced us to a new series called The Wall. We're starting that. We started that last week. We're going to continue it for the next few weeks. And I will just be honest with you, this has been a wrestling match all week long. (laughs) And I'm just going to pray right now because I want his Holy Spirit to take over and tune all of our ears in. Father, we just pray right now that, Father, you will just move in this place. You will just touch each individual, Lord, that you will tune our ears in to what your Spirit is saying to the church today. Being all that we do, Lord, that it it glorifies you. And as Terry instructed us at the very beginning, that, Father, when we enter this house, that we do it for one reason, for the audience of one, which is you. Lord, we're here to honor you. We're here to worship, to praise your name, to sing songs of praise, Lord God. Let your word now go forth and just continue to just bring strength and, and, and confidence to who we are in you, Lord God. And I just ask that you bless the rest of this morning, Lord. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, amen. Talked about putting up walls. And the uh, initial thing that he did is we sang the song last week, Clean Hands and Pure Heart. And he talked about the author of the song, Charlie Hall, who took Psalm 24 and authored a song. And one of his thoughts behind it was is that because of how Charlie looks, it could end up building walls between people because of tattoos or piercings or ear gauges or whatever it is. And I actually looked up his picture and he did have a very long beard that, that, that uh, more of a goatee, but whatever they call it, the pharaoh type thing, you know what I'm talking about? And, uh, and then he, he showed us a video of uh, one of the Duck Dynasty guys, Jace Robertson, and how he said he was in New York and he experienced facial profiling, he called it, because of his long beard, his long hair, and probably all the uh, camo that they tend to wear in the middle of New York, you know, uh, those type of things. But he, ta- he called it facial profiling. One of the things that I saw with uh, Jace Robertson and I was going to do different pictures. I just wish I was better with computers and sending stuff to people to help me. <laughs> but anyhow, Jace had a um, fundraiser for his daughter, was born with a cleft palate. He's very much into that uh, um, ministry that helps kids with cleft palates to be able to have the surgery to, to fix all that. And he said he would shave his beard and cut his hair for fundraiser, but they would have to raise $100,000. And they did it. And I'll tell you what, when you see this guy, boys, he looked different, looks very different, but you know what? He's the same guy with the beard or without the beard. He loved his daughter with the beard. He loves her just as much without the beard. And I'll tell you what, I saw him, I saw a video of Jace Robertson standing out in waders in the middle of a church pond, inviting people to come to that church 
wherever it was. I think it was down in the Louisiana area, but it wasn't his home church. It was a different one that he was invited to be a guest. And he stood out there in the middle of this pond with waders on, just opening up his arms and inviting people in to the house of the Lord because he was going to be speaking on that weekend saying, come on in and let's just, let's just have a time together in the Holy Spirit. I just thought it was such a neat video and, you know, we probably have, probably just about everybody in this room maybe has seen a little bit of the Duck Dynasty type thing and these people are sold out for Jesus Christ. There's no doubt about it. They are sold out for who Jesus Christ is and the beautiful part is you're watching the kids and you're watching the grandkids now picking it up and taking that message forward. So Paul, or Patrick, Pastor Pat was talking to us about what type of walls do we put up and how these walls, and just by the looks of somebody, we could begin to build a wall with people around us, just by the way that we think we're reading the cover of that book, but we haven't got into it to understand them. And he went on talking about uh, a clean hands in Psalm 24. Matter of fact, let's read it right now. Psalm 24, we're going to read all 10 verses again because it's such a good passage of scripture and this is the anchor that we're building everything on over the next couple weeks it's it's all out of psalm 24 and it says this the earth is the lord and everything in it the world and all who live in it for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters who may ascend the mountain of the lord who may stand in his holy place and this is where pastor pat last week spent a lot of time talking about The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates, be ye lifted up, ye ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, ye ancient doors, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? It's the Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. So Pastor Pat was talking to us about building walls because of how we look at things, how we treat others, how we think of things, just different ways that he was bringing into it last week. And he ended up talking about David quite a bit last week. In your bulletin, you probably saw that little piece of insert that's in there. That today is going to represent a brick for us. That's a brick. So I just want to make you aware of what we're going to talk about is... What could be put on that brick? What is the brick that you're putting up or putting into a wall that is beginning to cause division potentially? Remember how Pat said that bricks can block our view. I kind of thought about getting the the Wilson wall or the home improvement wall with Wilson. You know how he always stood kind of, you know, and you could only see him from his eyes up. But what is it that we keep putting on it? And so I want you to get into your mind or into your heart and start thinking about, we're going to have you fill that out today. We're going to have you put something on there. What is it that, that maybe you can reevaluate in your life 
that is causing maybe me to add a brick to the wall that, that I would put on that, that little brick. For me, it would be my big mouth. I talk too much. I talk too much. So anyhow, have that in your mindset, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more. And I just want to go on record of saying how blessed I feel, how blessed I believe we are, especially with those that have gone on ahead of us and have set such a great foundation for us to have in this local church that started back in 1934. They did a lot of work. They did the work that God had called them to do and they set things in place. And today we're receiving the benefit of that work. Amen? I really believe we are. We even have some here where, that were there at the very beginning that still are here today. Boy, oh boy, have you seen changes, huh? <laughs> and anybody that has any age, boy, have we seen changes in our society. And I understand that today is a very different day than when Bethesda Missionary Temple, Bethesda Christian Church started. It's a very different day. But see, the day and age that we lived in has changed so drastically in so many ways, but... The one thing that I believe that we are doing and we're going to continue to do and I believe will Lord guide us and direct us is that we keep the message of the gospel intact in this place. That Jesus Christ, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ will always be at the center of everything. Christ and Christ crucified, right? That we continue to teach and preach and, and learn and talk and do this and, uh, in this household. And deliver it in a way that is still able to, you know, continue to bring a newer generation. And a generation is kind of where I want to talk a little bit about today. Not so much about a specific generation, but as we are looking at this, this message, and, or as I was looking at putting this message together, and I started to think about what is going on and, and why, why is it so difficult and It's different times. We have different backgrounds. We have different experiences, different generations that are here. Multi-generational church. But it's our job as a church to come together and to be worshipers. To be worshipers of one Lord of one Savior, of Jesus Christ. Let's look at Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. It says this, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. That's where we got to be worshiping. Can I just read you something that, that I found as I was working on this and studying this? And as you hear it, you will know that it's not my words because I don't talk this way. But I think it's important, and I was just looking for a little bit of help, a little bit of help. And it says this, the postmodern or post-Christian nature 
of Western civilization reflects a now or a change in how postmodern people perceive biblical Christianity. For much of the late 20th century, genuine biblical Christianity was regarded as irrelevant. In the early 21st century, it is regarded as bad for society. A recent study by the Barna Group, which is also reflected in David Kinnaman's book, Good Faith, examines the perceptions of faith and Christianity in our postmodern culture. The conclusion is that millions of adults now view biblical Christianity as extremist. Christians have become people that, that are dangerous. They're intolerant. They're hateful. And you could probably plug in a whole bunch more adjectives to that statement. But I come to this group today and I want to just... Mark 3 and verse 25 says this. If a house is divided against itself, what? The house cannot stand. And unfortunately, I don't think that we've been... Uh, or we've been a, a, a part of the differences that we have. Some, it seems like the differences that we have, even within the different generations we have, the different people, the different people that are in this place, have unfortunately seemed to polarize us rather than draw us together. To some degree, I understand it's hard because it's so hard for certain age groups to fully understand the other. And so I want to just take a minute and try and read you a couple things that I was reading this past week. Because society has so many different thoughts about us as Christians, as believers. I don't know about you, but it kind of makes my blood a little bit hot <laughs> when somebody calls me dangerous. It would have been okay if I was on the wrestling mat, but I don't wrestle anymore. If, I, if somebody said that, that would have been fine, you know, in that sporting activity or whatever. But because I'm wearing the name of Jesus Christ, I'm considered dangerous. I'm considered intolerant, hateful. They don't know me. But you know what? The world doesn't care to do that. They know what they know and they're going to believe what they're going to believe and that's why it's our job to take that message from this place and enter into a world and be able to take that message with us. I went and I just googled generational differences and it pulled up a chart that I thought was really interesting. And if we had all morning, I would sit here and read it to you, but I, we don't. It was 11 pages of information I only took like three or four different things off of it. And it labeled different groups, and I don't mean to label anybody, but, but you'll understand where I'm going with this. The first group is called the traditionalists. And these are people that were born before 19, well, 1945 and earlier. You're considered a traditionalist. Next group, baby boomers. I'm sure we got a few of those in the house today. Like 1946, it says, to 1964. Gen X, 1985 to 19, 1965 to 1980. 
And then it went to millennials and it started in 1977 and went up through 2000 and it had dot, dot, dot. And I was trying to find the age of this survey and I was having a hard time doing it. That's why I didn't put it up in front of you. But here's just a couple things and I'm going to read all the way across this graph. So if you just listen and tune in for just a minute, traditionalists, baby boomer, Gen X, and then the millennials. And millennials, if you're in this house, I am not dogging you. You people are brilliant. You people are excellent. I do understand that we have differences, and this is what we're going to talk about, but I think they can all work together so good. Work ethic. Let's just look at work ethic, the way it was listed in this chart. Traditionalists, you're dedicated. You pay your dues. You work hard. You respect authority. It says again, hard work. Age equals seniority company first. Does that resonate? Traditionalists? How about baby boomers? Driven, workaholics, 60-hour work weeks, work long hours and establish self-worth and identity and fulfillment. Work ethic equals work ethic. <laughs> Quality. Gen X, 85, or 65 to 80. Balance. Work smarter, and with greater output, not work longer hours. Eliminate the task, self-reliant, want structure and direction, but skeptical. And then millennials, millennials, pardon me, ambitious, looking for what's next. Multitasking, tenacity, entrepreneurial. Those are all some pretty good words right there. Messages that motivate the traditionalists. Your experience is respected. Baby boomers, you are valued, you are needed. Gen X, do it your way, forget the rules. <laughs> I think I might kind of fall in that category a little bit sometimes. Although I'm a pretty good rule follower, usually. Millennials, you will work with other bright, creative people. What are, what are traditionalists motivated by? Being respected and security. What are baby boomers motivated by? Being valued and needed and also money. Gen X, freedom and removal of the rules and time off. Millennials are motivated by, or I'm sorry, motivated by working with other bright people and time off. For the traditionalists, money is livelihood. For the baby boomers, it's a status symbol. For Gen X, it's a means to an, a means to an end. For the millennial, it's today's payoff. I'm going to do one more, and I'm going to stop. Work and family life, or work and family life balance. Traditionalists, the way it's written on here is, keep them separate. Baby boomers, live to work. Gen X, work to live. Millennials, balance is important. They will sacrifice balance, but only occasionally. Now, this is somebody that put a chart together and stuff, but I bring it up just from the idea of 
We are who we are. We're born into a generation that we don't make a choosing of. And we are all here. We're all together. We're all moving in this thing together. But I think what we really have to stop and do is understand it's just different for the different generations. And in planning for this time today, my heart was drawing to the sixth verse of Psalm 24. And, it, and it's the crux. And I really believe it's where it's really going to take off and continue in the next week. But it's this idea of becoming a generation. You don't see that as written as plural, generations. But I believe it's taking all the different ages, all the different types of people, all the different backgrounds that we have, and we become a generation that seeks the face of God. Oh, do I want that for us. Oh, I want that for us. But I also know we've got work to do. Please understand, we are in a generation of American kids. And let's face it, it's not just kids, it's adults too, that are illiterate in Scripture. Many are being taught at the very early ages against the church. Stay away from the church. Don't get in there, it will change you too much. It'll make you something you don't want to become. For all those people that result or rely on the church, it's just a crutch for them. It's just an excuse. It's just, you know, and it can go on and on. But today I want to go to 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10. You'll see it on the screen here. And it says this, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. I've wrestled this week with this idea, what is, what is my brick going to have written on it? What is your brick going to have added on it? If you get those, if you'll take those out and you get ready, a lot of things that I have heard and I've seen and, and working in the church now for just a little bit of time, I don't seem to get too stuck on doctrinal differences and theological differences all the time, even though they may happen, but it's usually the littler things that seem to to dog us, to plague us. And understanding that there will always be differences and understanding that we are now having a generation or a group of people, young and old alike, that are coming in that may have never been in church before. I just remember growing up, it seemed like people that were coming in were always coming in and they were already churched a lot of times. And every now and again, then somebody would bring a friend that hadn't, and they would come in, and they would get saved. And then, you know, that cycle would continue to repeat itself. And that's the cycle that I think, I hope, we're all praying for, is that we can continue to be that light to somebody who doesn't know. We can share that with them, and then we can invite them in and have them be a part of a fellowship of people that are here just trying to sing praises and, and lift up 
all that we have unto our Lord and continue to train and, and learn. I think all the Bible study that we have, it's so necessary. We need all that. And it's great for us to learn, but it's so much, so important for us to take what we learn and now apply it to those that are around us. Maybe on your brick, you're going to write down the word fear. Fear of sharing what the gospel is. Fear I'm going to mess up in how I say it. I don't know what it would be on your brick. What we're going to have you do is we're going to have you write them down here in just a moment, or if you will, we have some baskets down here. What we want you to do, I don't want you to put your name on it. I, I want you to put what you feel is on that that could help you and us begin to pull pull down this wall that, that helps us with this idea of clean hands and a pure heart. Remember, Pastor Pat was talking about the clean hands. We can look very good on the outside, but it's that heart issue that we have. And I think what I'm kind of saying this morning is in agreement with what he was saying. A lot of what's on this brick probably for me is more of a heart issue than it is, you know, the, the exterior part of it. I'm not quite as worried about that. It's, it's my heart and how I see others and how I care for others and how I love others. Do I love others? Do I immediately see a tattoo and turn my face away from them? I have a friend is up in the, the, the Bay City area that I was introduced to. His name was Marcus. Sweet guy. And, and if I'll tell you what, if he stood here next to me, he would look just like me unless he took his coat off took his sleeves off because his sleeves were painted on through tattoos from shoulder to wrist full color but he did all kinds of things that and and I'm not advocating this I am not a tattoo lover but you know what I'm learning to say those that have them can be loved right and should be loved by me and I'm not going to get caught up on the minutiae of if or not right now. I think those can be other discussions. But right now is because I see that. Marcus said, this is the best way for me to witness. It was all scripture and different things. And it all related back to the gospel. And he says, I know when I get in a group, I kind of I pull back. I get very shy. I don't necessarily engage people right away. But when they see these... They engaged me, and now I've got an open opportunity. How about ties? Or no ties? Who cares? Sorry, I don't care about that, obviously. Modesty. We've got to do this thing in modesty, and, and, and I don't want these little things. And for some of us, it's... it's, it's to a point where it's, it's stopping us from being this group that comes together and being the generation that will seek the face of God together. I hope a pair of jeans won't turn you off from coming to church. Amen. I hope. I hope facial hair doesn't make that big of a difference to you. This younger generation and us as older generation can enter into it at any time we want, but we can... Can I ask anybody that's under 20 years old, when's the last time you looked in a card catalog? What is a card catalog? What's the Dewey Decimal System? It's not really necessarily talked about that much more. When's the last time somebody in this room under... 
20 or 30, looked in an encyclopedia. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say we just threw ours out a couple of years ago. The information that they have is all around them. It's just immediate. It's, it's different. And what we have to do is use these different things to our advantage and help each other and love each other. Young people, old people have a lot to say. They've got all kinds of experience. And shame on us if we don't talk to them and listen to them and hear what their experiences are. Older people, don't fear anybody younger. I'm not saying fear and that you're afraid they're going to do something or anything like that, but you do have something to say. You do have something to talk about. And let's do all that we can to begin to pull these generations together so that we become a generation that seeks the Lord, right? That seeks the face of Jesus Christ. Ask their story. Ask them what their story is. Ask them what's going on. I think a great time to do it is, is these volunteer opportunities when we can come out and we can work side by side. Get around somebody that maybe you're not all that familiar with and begin to just talk to them a little bit and say, can I hear a little bit of your story? You might have to find a better way of saying it than that. I just want to hear a little bit about that. Will you stand with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we come before you right now, Lord, and for those that are still being prayed for, we ask that your spirit just move and touch each situation, Lord God. Touch these lives. Lord, as they're making confession right now of what it is that is impeding them in their walk with you or their health or whatever it is that, Father, that you would hear those petitions. Lord, use those, the elders that are here, Lord, to pray and to speak life. And Lord, as a church, today as all those that have walked down that have deposited something or those that are maybe even thinking about what it is they could be depositing as, as part of, Lord, the things that we tend to hold on that begin to set up more of a wall. Lord, I pray for this congregation that, Father, we could this week, Lord, as it was deposited, as it was laid upon the altar, that, Father, as we walk from this place, we will know that it has been sacrificed before you. And that, Father, we will continue to seek you this week. We will continue to ask that you will help us to move forward in this, Lord God. That we can get to a point, Lord God, where we become a generation that seeks your face every time we walk into this place. But, Lord, wherever we are, that we are a part of your generation. We're part of a generation that calls on Jesus Christ. And I pray for strength. I pray for peace that passes all understanding. And I pray for comfort of hearts this day. That, Father, greater is he that is in us than he that's in this world. Oh, Lord God, that we can walk in peace and confidence with you, knowing that you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. And so, Father, that we will become stronger. Stronger in our faith, stronger in our walk, stronger in our love of you, Lord God, and the love of our fellow man. 
Empower us this week, Lord God, as we continue to commit these things that, Lord, as we come back next week, Lord, you will bring us into a place where there will be great celebration and great move of your spirit as it was today, Lord God. The next time we gather, every time we gather, that your spirit will move, oh, Lord God, and just charge us up, Lord God. Let the fire of the Holy Ghost get inside of each and every one of us, Lord God. Oh, and let us move about and be be warriors for you and for your name. In Jesus' name, I pray and I ask it, Lord God. Amen and amen.